0: Remember your first job? So, okay, yeah, we should all probably remember that. All right. Um, I remember my first job. When I was a uh, sophomore in high school, I, uh, I came home from school, from practice one day, and my dad came home from work, and he said, hey, Zach, I got you a job. All right? And I'm like, uh, all right, cool, I guess. Um, uh, you know, w- w- where at? Or, you know, what am I going to be doing? He's like, well, it's a, 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 the job is going to be a job at the church. And I'm going, sweet. At the church, they only work like one day a week, right? Sunday. And they're done by, by one o'clock, you know? Sounds pretty good to me. And so I'm thinking, I'm like, hey, let's, uh, all right, that sounds pretty good, all right? This sounds like a pretty cushy job, all right? How much am I making? He's like seven twenty-five an hour, and I'm going, that's awesome too. All right, now that might sound a little low, but back then, that was like $2 above minimum wage, which all my friends were making. So I was like, I cannot wait to tell my friends that I'm making more money than them and I'm doing a cushy job that's going to be sweet. And then I was like, all right, so what are like my hours? And he was like, well, really, it's, it's a part-time thing, but, uh, but you can work whenever you want. Really, you just have to get your stuff done. And so if I have a game or if I have a track meet or something, I could go in after work. I can work, you know, I can work at midnight to two o'clock in the morning if I wanted to. It's like, so I'm going, dude, so super flexible. I'm making good money. All right, it's a cushy job, I'm thinking. And, uh, and I'm like, all right, Dad, uh, wh- what am I gonna be doing? He's like, cleaning toilets. And I'm like, oh, it's a little less glamorous than I thought. Um, and, uh, and so I cleaned toilets, changed light bulbs, changed ballasts, did all kinds of stuff for four years, that was my first job. Um, After I graduated high school, I realized that, hey, you know, this job's super flexible, I could do two jobs, I could do a full-time job and have this job on the side. And so I went and got a job um, with a lawn care company. Any of you guys ever do that? Okay, like six cool. All right. Bummer. Um, I love that job. All right. It was a fun job. It was a good job. I love my boss. All right. He was super easygoing. I remember I'd go to work and he'd say, hey, Zach, I want to make sure you love your job. All right. You don't hear that from bosses much. And uh, man, it was just like, dude, I, I like working for this guy. He's a, you know, he, he's, he's a nice guy. He's helpful. And, and uh, what I did was we mowed lawns. We, I had kind of my, my own truck and trailer and with, uh, had a buddy of mine with me. And uh, we mowed, repo lawns in Toledo, okay? So usually it was like a pretty good day, but some days it'd be a little rough, okay? These usually weren't located in the best parts of town in Toledo. Um, then you got like, you know, I'm trying to think of some of the, some of the bad days that I had. You, you have those couple weeks, uh, maybe at the end of May or beginning of June where all like the Mayflies come out, you know what I'm talking about, up near the lake. In Tiffin, you guys are safe, all right? We're safe, we don't have to worry about it. But up near the lake, you know, they like, they like cover everything um, for like a week or two. Uh, you know, so I don't know how many mayflies I ate during those weeks. Um, didn't really like that that much. Uh, but uh, sometimes what you do is we pull up to a house, we get like a few new houses. You know, sometimes you get like three new houses a day. And when they're new, again, this is a repoed home. And so it's not like the people that were there, most of them by far 99 you know, 0.9% of them. It's not like the people necessarily took care of their stuff, especially when they knew they were getting, um, getting it repossessed by the bank. And so, you know, a lot of these lawns, they hadn't been mowed for like, for like a year and stuff like that. And so we'd start mowing, and that was always harder when you get a new, a new place. A lot of times the neighbors would come out and they just watch you. I don't know why. And they'd stand on their front porch and you know, kind of see what we're doing. Sometimes the neighbors would even come over and they give us some advice. All right? Sometimes they would tell us what we needed to do or what we needed to do better. All right? They, you know, one time I remember a lady screaming at me because she was saying the house that I was mowing um, had squirrels in the attic. And so she's pointing. She's like, "You need to go up there. You need to chase those squirrels out of the attic." And I'm like, "Dude, lady, I'm the lawn boy. You know, I don't." have a key to the house. It's not my house. I'm just mowing the lawn, alright Squirrels, they're not in the lawn. It's not my business. You know what I'm talking about. So uh, call the bank or whoever. Uh, sometimes, remember one time we, uh, uh, we, at this one house, we had this garage that we had take the mower through. It is a garage that had like the garage doors on both sides and the yard was fenced in. So that was how we did that. Anyway, and so we did that and I opened up the garage door, which we always left unlocked. And uh, one time a pit bull came jumping out at me. Don't know how long it was in there. Don't know why it was in there. Someone put it in there within the the last week. And so you had your occasional pit bull chase you down scenario, um, working this. Sometimes you'd be mowing a yard that hadn't been mowed for a long time and you'd suck up like sweatpants, you know, that you didn't see. that was always fun. Um, Sometimes you get stuck in a pit that was supposed to be a pool, but they never finished it. And it's just a pit of weeds. You mow that and get stuck in there. You mow around junk in the yard. Sometimes, all right, we'd be mowing. You know, you go out there and, again, these kind of rough situations. You get people, their houses got repossessed and people would go in. They'd move their stuff out to the lawn. Okay, that's what I'm supposed to be mowing. And uh, they'd have like all their furniture out there. And sometimes the people were still there, not inside the house, but outside the house. All right, like sometimes there's people sitting on their couch in the lawn and you're like, I got to mow this. And, you know, you're weed whacking around their couch and, you know, it's just like awkward because they're watching you because they got nothing else to do. You're Like, can you lift your feet up, please? OK, thanks. You know, make this look really nice for you. At least it's going to be a nice lawn. All right. But, uh, you know, sometimes you get home from work and it's like that was a rough day. All right. That wasn't uh, necessarily fun. Now, some of you, you have a rough day like every day. Right? Like, that's your thing. That's what's going on. And when you hear that we're talking about work here on, you know, Sunday mornings, by the way, we're going to be talking about this for the next four weeks, so so bear with me. But uh, when you hear that, you're just like, oh, it's the weekend. I'm here at church. I don't want to be talking about work. Like, that's the last thing I want to be talking about or thinking about right now because you dread going to work. Others of you, it's just completely opposite. It's something like, uh, you know, I don't really mind going to work, but, uh, but you're young. What do you know about work? All right, you're a millennial. You don't know nothing about work. None of you guys do. You know, it's, it's like that type of attitude. And, and I get it. Some of you have worked decades more than I've probably been alive. You know, I, I get that. And I respect that. And uh, I don't know what it's like to do what you do. And I don't know what it's like to work where you work. But I do know what God says about work. And guess what? What He says about work? It works. All right? And that's what we're going to be looking at for the next few weeks. Now, if I were to ask you, how's your job going? What comes to mind? Not out loud or whatever, but just think about that to yourself. All right? How's work going? What kind of comes to mind to, uh, to you? Or, or what about this? What if I just say the word Monday? Is that a good feeling? Or is that a bad feeling, you know? Are you, do you, you know, are you thinking, you know what, I I got my dream job, Um, I'm good to go, or is it like dread, where you're like, oh, tomorrow's Monday again. All right, see, every single one of us, we're on this line, okay, some of us, maybe, you know, one extreme, you're the dream job person. You got your dream job, all right, You love every second of your job. You're the type of person that you get out of work, or not get out of work. You get out of your car at work, in the parking lot, at the office, or whatever it might be, and you skip and whistle all the way in, all right? By the way, the rest of us hate you, okay? So just be honest. I'm a pastor. I probably shouldn't say that, but it's true. I'm a sinner. Um, but anyway, but then there's others of us. You dread work, right? For you right now, thinking about it, just like kind of get your blood boiling. You're like, oh, tomorrow I have to drag myself out of bed. And the only way that you're able to even get out of the door is because you have your four cups of coffee. And then you get out and you're just like, I have to go back to that place to be with those people, to do that thing that I hate doing. And unfortunately, statistically, most of us, as Americans in our culture, we veer more towards the dread portion, okay? I'm not saying we're all at one extreme, probably very few of us are, but most of us are more dread, we view our job as more of a dread than a dream. And if that's you, think about it, you spend a lot of time doing the thing that you dread. A lot. Now, let's look at the average week real quick. All right, got this. Uh, We'll see if this works. This may be stupid, but uh, it is what it is. Okay, so let's break this down. All right, every single one of us, we all have the same amount of time of work, or or, let me say, we all have the same amount of time to use in a week, right? We all agree on that? Okay, because we all live a week. Okay, all right, same amount for every single person. Now, I'm breaking a week up into, let's say, eight hour blocks of time. Okay, we all get that? All right, you guys with me? Okay, thank you for all five of you who are with me. This is an eight-hour block of time, okay? Now, there are some things that we can control, right, in life, and there's some things that we can't control. For example, one thing that we can't really control is that every single one of us in this room, we all need this thing called sleep. You guys sleep? Okay, yeah. Some of you guys sleep too much, all right? (laughs) Um, But uh, but we all sleep. Some of you guys don't sleep a lot. Uh, Doctors tell us, that uh, on average a person should be getting around 8 hours of sleep. Now how many of you guys like usually try to how many of you guys hit that consistently? All right, we got some got some people. That's good. All right. Good. You guys getting a A plus. All right. How many of you guys get like 6 to 7 hours of sleep somewhere in there? All right. That's probably most people it seems like that was most last service. How many get less than 7 hours of sleep a week on average? Dang. All right. You guys need more sleep. Okay, we're talking about rest. That's one of the things we're going to talk about. Stay tuned in a couple weeks. All right, how many of you guys get, be super honest if you want to, okay, get more than eight hours of sleep? That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Yeah, I like that. That's funny. little kid's like, yeah. It's coming to an end, buddy. (laughs) Live it up while you can. All right. So. All of us, all right, we all have sleep. Now, most of us, what we should be aiming for is probably, roughly, around eight hours of sleep. So if you block that up, right, seven hours or seven days of eight hours of sleep is, uh, is 56 hours a week that we should, health-wise, all right, probably spend sleeping. Now, some of us are a little less, some of us are a little more, all right, and, uh, but, uh, but that's, that's probably where we should be, Okay. Now, another thing that most of us do, and this is something that we can't really control that much, is most of us, we need a job in order to survive. If we're adulting, okay, some of you guys need, you know, start doing that, right? If we're adulting, we should be, we should have a job. Pro- you know, we should probably have a full, full-time full job. Probably most of us in here do. And a full-time job is what, 40 hours a week? But let's be honest with ourselves. Most of us, if we have a full-time job, we're putting a lot more in than 40 hours a week. You know, going in early, going in uh, staying late, you got overtime. Uh, let's throw in, you know, all the phone calls that you take or all the meetings that you do. That's outside of work time. Uh, the drive-in, all that kind of stuff needs to be attributed to work. That's all part of your work time. And so, probably most of us in here, on average, you spend about eight hours a day working. I understand too that there is a lot of people in here that you probably spend more than fifty-six hours a week working, um, and uh, we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. But most of us. All right, we spend 56 hours a week working or doing something towards our job, okay? Now, some of you guys, you're looking at that, you're like, ah, such a bummer, okay? And then what's that leave for us? Well, that leaves seven, eight-hour blocks of time a week, 56 hours, for everything else. Now, everything else didn't fit on my paper, but other did, so it's other but it's really everything else. I like how that sounds better. So anyway. Um, but it's interesting, right? Right? Most of us, we spend all this time doing this, right? This 56 hours. We do the 56 hours at work so that we could do the 56 hours of doing everything else. Right? And a lot of us, all right, we dread the work part. Right? Like, like we, we dread it. And we spend time working, we spend time sleeping, we spend time working, we spend time uh, doing everything else, and we find purpose only in our everything else chunk of work or a chunk of time, right? So if I were to ask you, hey, who are you, you know, what what are you all about, what's your thing, you would answer, you know, a lot of us, most of us in here would be like, well, we look at our, this one third of our life, and we're like, well, this is who I am. But that's not necessarily true. Like, we're all, this is all of our time. This, this represents all of us, and work included. And so we're looking at this, and we kind of look at work as kind of like a waste, right? But isn't one third of our life too much to waste or to view as a waste? Did you know that on average in a lifetime, on average, people spend 100,000 hours at work? Right? I mean, that's what, that's what we do. Now, what if we could wake up in the morning and be excited to go to work? Right? Uh, we don't necessarily have to love the job that we do. Like, what if we could wake up every morning and go, you know what? I don't love what I do, but I am excited to go to work. That's where I want us to be in about four weeks. Um, that's where we want us to be at the end of four weeks. And I know some of you guys out there are going, all right, well, that's impossible. You know, but let's just see, let's just see what, God, what God's, God's gonna work on us, okay? He's gonna work on all of us, every single person in here, hopefully, with this. And I think that a lot of our issues with work stem from our misunderstanding of work. See, we got this idea that work is bad. All right. Work equals bad. And some of us, we like over-Christianize this, this kind of thinking a little bit. We're like, you know, uh, we live in a fallen world where things rot and decay and everything naturally kind of gets more chaotic. It's like a, a couple weeks ago or maybe it was last week. I don't know. I started like, you know, the, the struggle of keeping your lawn looking nice all year. You guys, you guys know what I'm talking about? The mowing portion. I used to love to mow. right? Back when I was working, you know, it's super nice. You're on your mower all day, working on your tin, got you, you know, everything, everything's good. But now mowing's like super annoying. right? I don't know why that is. I'm older and I have a job now. I don't know. But anyway, um, but, you, you know, you start mowing, it's like the struggle is real. Okay. So it's, it's, the, it's the struggle begins, the grass is growing, everything, all that. And it'd be nice if you could just mow once and be done with it, Right. You guys are dead this morning. You guys are killing me. All right? First service was all fun, and I was, I was having fun too. Okay. But uh, it would be nice if we could mow once, but that's not what it is. It's a, it's a struggle. All right? And we look at the idea of work as bad. But when we look at how God created us and we look at why God created us, we see that work was a part of our life since the very beginning. Actually, right after God creates Adam, check this out. It says, The Lord took the man, and he placed him in the Garden of Eden to work. It and watch over it. So we see right at the beginning, all right? Right at the beginning, we see that God, um, He gave man a purpose and He gave man work to do. Now this is before sin entered. This is before Adam was sinful. Right? This is no, in no way, a punishment for him, which we oftentimes view work. It's not like God goes to Adam and say, "Hey, man, you have you have you have really disappointed me, Adam." Right? And so now, guess what? Now I got this consequence. You're going to have to, here's your punishment, you, you gotta, you're going to have to work. It's not how it goes, right? This is God going to Adam and saying, hey, Adam, I'm so glad you're here. Guess what? I got some work for you to do. That's the attitude. That's what we see here. It's built within us. Like, we are built to work. We are built to create, to build, to improve, to take care of, to push back against nature. That's what we are here to do. That was our first job. Like, we were literally created to work. Now, if we were created to work, then that means that work is good for us, right? Everybody, real quick, why don't you say, work is good. Oh, okay, all right, you go. You guys are out there, all right? That's uh, yeah, I know some of you guys are like through gritted teeth. You yeah, know, work is probably good. I don't know, you know. Work is good for us. Like work is good, all right? The Bible tells us that work is good for us and that work is to be a part of our life. But a lot of us, if not most of us in here, all right, we naturally try to avoid work. All right, we naturally tried to avoid doing worth, and that was what was—that's exactly what was happening in a church in a city called Thessalonica two thousand years ago. And uh, kind of, let me tell you kind of the, the gist of what was going on. All right, someone in this church—this was a new church, kind of like here in Tiffin. All right, we're a new church have only been around for a year and a half or so. And, uh, and this was a new church in this huge city. And Paul had been a part of this. I don't know if Paul was a guy who necessarily started this church, but he was a part of starting this church. And so Paul, you know, he's kind of nurtured them, and, and they're kind of getting up on their feet. And this church is a church that's being, like, heavily persecuted by the government and the people around them. Okay? So they're suffering, they're going through some hard times, and some people show up or some people in the church start talking about. It. They say, "Hey, we just want to let you guys as a church know that Paul told us to tell you that the end of the world is coming." Ooh, you know? It's like, "Oh, it, Jesus is coming back and he's coming back soon." All right? And the end of the world is here. Now, how many of you guys have heard that at some point in your lifetime that the end of the world's coming? Yeah, we've all heard it, right? Remember the 2012? Remember that movie? Okay, yeah, remember the Mayan calendar thing, and then in 2000, what was it, 2015, I think it was like the blood moon thing, I don't even remember what that was, but that was supposed to be a thing, okay, and then uh, I remember, or, you know, I know some people predicted that 2020 would be the end of the world, and I bet, I just wonder, I don't know anything, but uh, (laughs) I just wonder that if everything that was going on last year with 2020, I wonder if those people are like, maybe I do know what I'm talking about, you know what I mean? But then now we're all still here, so... That was wrong. Um, I was reading that there was a guy who was saying, "No, no, no, it's not 2020. It's actually 2021. That's this year. Scary, right? <laughs> actually, I looked in, more into that guy, and he actually predicted that the world would end in, in 1988, too. And so that didn't happen, So I don't trust that guy God doesn't know what he's talking about. All right? So this is kind of the same thing that we, we go through. None of us probably believe that. I don't believe it. Um, you know, when people tell us, actually, the Bible tells us that nobody knows when Jesus is coming back and when that time will happen. And so it's kind of ironic that anybody who gives a date that, hey, this is the day that's going to happen, right, the Bible says no one's going to be ready for it, that's, probably, that's like we can for sure say that's not going to be the day. You know what I mean? Just kind of interesting how that works. And so somebody comes in and they say, hey, they come into the church, they say, hey, guess what? Jesus is coming back. Paul told us to tell you, and, uh, and, and the end of the world is coming. And so you know what a bunch of people did in the church? They quit their jobs. Is that funny? Isn't that kind of interesting? They're like, well, sh- I mean, if Jesus comes back, why am I working so hard? I'm going to live it up. Right, we only got like a year left or so. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy my time. It's so funny to me that, you know, we think like that. People still think like that today. Like if you knew you were going to die, you know, in a year, you probably quit your job, right? or a month, or, you know, I don't know, whatever, whatever scenario you want, or not, okay. Um, but uh, that's what people are thinking. They're like, hey, the end of the world's coming, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit my, my job. And so Paul writes this letter. He writes a letter to them. It's a letter that we call 2 Thessalonians, and he writes it to address this issue. And this is kind of how he starts off the letter. He says first, he says, hey, you guys are growing, and I've heard such good things about you guys. I just want to let you know, first and foremost, that I am proud of you. And then he acknowledges the suffering that they're going through. He's saying, hey, I know that you guys are suffering. I know you guys are being persecuted, all right, because you're a Christian, uh, you know, all this bad stuff. People were probably dying in the church because they were a Christian. And he's saying, hey, you're doing good. Now keep going. And then he says, by the way, that little rumor that's going around that's saying, hey, Jesus is coming back soon. And that the end of the world is kind of upon us. He's like, hey, I didn't say that. All right, you are not to live that way. Yes, Jesus is coming back someday, all right, but, uh, but that's not from me saying, don't listen to those people. And then Paul addresses the idea of work in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 5, 6. He says, now we command you, okay? By the word. this word command, or by the way, this word command um is, is kind of super forceful. Actually, he uses it three times in this section that we're gonna be looking at right here, and it's his strongest that he uses in all of his letters, okay, of the New Testament. All right? He writes it right here on this subject of work. So he says, Now we command you, brothers and sisters, he's talking to the church, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So not only is he saying, Hey, this isn't just from me, not only am I commanding you telling you this is how you should live, this is actually a command from God. All right, so this is important. He says, this is what we are commanded to do, to keep away from every brother or sister who is idle. All right, now what the heck does that mean? All right, idle is, is really the context of, of this is, is he's talking about work. And the Greek word here is ataktos, and it really means deviating from, from the order. So it's got this idea of, hey, we're all going, you know, in the same direction. Everything's good. We're making progress. And then somebody just like, bloop, you know, over here in the stops, we're still going. He's like, hey, those people, he's saying, are idle. It's, uh, it's, it's, these people had quit their jobs. They're not doing anything. All right? It's like uh, driving through Tiffin. You get stopped by like 50 stoplights every time. There's no way to get it through unscathed. You know what I'm talking about? And, uh, and you stop there. And it's interesting because a lot of times you stop there and there's like nothing. Like, no cars are going. You're just, like, this is just disrupting traffic. You know what I mean? As you're sitting there, your car's idling. You're not going anywhere, you're making no progress, you're just kind of stuck, you're stopped. Right? That's the idea of this word. And so he's saying, um, you need to keep away from every brother or sister who is idle and does not live according to the tradition received from us. He's saying, hey, don't even hang out with those people. Don't spend time with those people. You need to keep away from those people because they aren't living the way that they have been instructed to live. They're not living their life right. In the next verse, in verse 7, he says, For you yourselves know how you should imitate us, because we were not idle among you. He's like, hey, we're your example. Right? We were idle when we were with you. He's saying we did not eat anyone's food free of charge. Instead, when we were with you, we labored and toiled. Right? This word toiled, it's not like, it's not, he's, Paul's not saying, hey, yeah, we worked. We worked some when we were with you. It's not what he's saying. No, he's saying, hey, we worked, and we worked hard. It wasn't easy, right? It's difficult. He's saying, we labored and we toiled, working night and day so that we would not be a burden to any of you. He says, it is not that we don't have the right to support, right? But we did it as to, to make ourselves an example to you so that you would imitate us. He's saying, hey, all right, Paul and his, and his buddies, they would go from church to church to church, and churches would support him, all right, because because he was focused on ministry. But with this church in Thessalonica, Paul did it differently, all right? He said, no, 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 with you guys, we worked, all right, so, so we could be a good example to you, so we wouldn't cost you anything. We're in reality, rightly, all right, you guys should have been supporting us. But when we were with you, we supported ourselves. He's saying, we had that right, but we didn't take it. All right? thank goodness for that right. Okay, that's why I have a, a job, so I can focus on, on ministry, you know, As a pastor, that's that's good. Um, But he's saying, hey, not only are we designed and created for work, but we're designed and created to work hard. All right, now, let's get real here for a second. Let me get brutally honest uh, with some people in this room. Some people have a job. All right, that's good. All right, we're all about that. That's what I think God wants us to do. But that doesn't mean you're a good worker, right? I mean, it's funny because I feel like every single person in this room, like we all know people who have jobs but aren't good workers, right? We can think of people, right? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, We can all think of somebody, right? But none of us, all right, think of ourselves as that person. It's interesting because the people who I think work the least hard okay, in life, like people that I'm like, okay, that's definitely not a hard worker. It's interesting because those people, at least all the ones that I can think of um, that I've worked with in the past and stuff like that, I'm like, those people, they think they're the hardest worker. I don't know why that is. And it's just, just how it is. And so the reality is in a room full of people with this many people, right, there's people in here who you have a job, but you are just not a hard worker. And God's saying, hey, that, that's an issue, and how do you know if it's you? I think one of the main questions that you can ask yourself is, do you hate your job? Because usually, if you hate your job, you're not putting in the effort into that job that, that you know, you don't want to put in the effort into that job that, that you need to put into. Right? Or, or are you asked to do the same things over and over again? Or are you frequently late to work? Or do you miss work a lot? Do you float from job to job? It's interesting because some people, um, you know, you watch them work and some people just like, I don't know, move slow. You know what I'm talking about? There was, uh, I was at Menards yesterday and I was taking uh, some, it was a water heater back. And uh, I pull around back and I take this little pink slip. I go to the, you know, go through the door, go to the, to the guy. And the guy like kind of waves me in. And I go, I hand him the slip and he's just like looking at it. And he's like, what is it? And I'm like, it's a water heater. He's like, hmm, what's wrong with it? And I'm like, nothing wrong with it. Didn't even open it. It's just not the right size that I needed. And uh, and so he's like, he's like, okay, you know, he goes and grabs the cart, and he takes the cart and he starts walking to my car. In the meantime, I'm already at my car. Like, come on, man. It's like I want if I could have a rope, like a last one, last one. Come on, let's go. I got stuff to do. I had to go. And I, like I was, I was in a hurry. And this guy's just like okay. You know, I'm just like, dude, how do you even have a job? You're driving me crazy. You know, some people, it's just like, it's like people don't know how to work hard. Like, they they show up. They don't know how to work hard. But as Christians, listen, this is so important, right? As Christians, not only should we work, but we should be the best workers. We should be the hardest working people. All right, let me just clarify something real quick. When I'm talking about doing our work, right, I totally understand that there's most people in here, we probably have jobs, so that applies to your job. If you're a young person in here, you're a student, okay, your schoolwork is your work, all right, we get that? Okay. Stay-at-home moms, I totally understand. That is work, 100% believe it. I, you know, I come home from work sometimes and Kate's more exhausted than I am, all right? She's been with the kids, all day, all right? She's just like, take them. And I'm like, oh, I'm trying to rest. You know, it's just like, it's, just, it's work. Totally get it, all right? If you're retired, I, I totally understand. That's good, all right? You've put in your work, but you fill your day with something, right? With work. See, as Christians, not only should we work, but we should be the best workers. We should be the hardest working people. So if that's you, all right, and, and, you know, you, let's say you work in a manufacturing plant, you should be the, the hardest worker in that plant. Because you're a Christian, right? If you are, you know, if you're in the office, okay, you work in an office, you should be the hardest working person in the office. If you work at a job site, you should be the hardest working person at the job site. If you're a teacher at school, here at Grace, man, we got tons of teachers, all right, from, from all different school districts. But if you are a teacher and you are here at Grace, let me just say this. You should be the hardest working, the best teacher in the entire district or the best teachers in the entire district. Like that should be you. And people should be able to see it because you work hard, and you care about you care about the work that you do. See, most of us we we don't do that. I think most of us we settle for average, but we're not meant to be average. God hasn't called us to be average, average workers. Right, and, and I get that there's some of you that you know that are sitting in here. And you're like, "Well, I'm the, I am the hardest worker," okay, and that's great. All right, I hope that that's right. Okay, honestly, I, I I do. But even you, you can step it up a notch. I remember um, one of my uh, one thing I did uh, during college is I worked at this. Uh, I worked at I went to school at Liberty University. I worked in the department. It's called Technical Productions. Sound pretty sweet, right? <laughs> okay, um, <laughs> and uh, and it really, I just. Put, uh, set stuff up and took stuff down and didn 't really do anything cool, um, so anywhere on campus that there was an event, you know I 'd set the stage up, the speakers, the you know, run, the, run the cables and the soundboard and lights and all that kind of stuff, and then we'd pack it all up so that 's what I did, and I remember um, getting this job. I uh, like two months after I got hired in, I'm looking around and I just remember going, man, I'm the hardest working person, you know, in this department. Everybody else is just kind of like, yeah, you know, and uh, just kind of sitting around and nobody wants to really do anything. And I'm like, I'm, I'm the hardest working person. I, I had some pride in that. Okay. Not really, you know, pride's not necessarily a good thing. But then they hired a new guy. And I hated this guy. This guy, he was like, you know, kind of a suck up. All right, And he was a hard worker. He was way harder worker than I was. And I'm like, and it was like noticeable. Like this dude was like, he would do anything, anywhere, anytime. And it bothered me, not in a good way. And I, and part of me is, again, part of it's pride. Part of it is being competitive. And I'm like, this guy, this guy ain't going to outwork me. And so for me, I was originally thinking, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm working as hard as I can. But I realized when that guy got on and, really challenged me, that it was like, dude, I could take this up like five more notches. See, even though we're the hardest working people, we can always take it up a notch. See, God not only tells us to work, but he tells us to work hard. And Paul is our example. In verse 10, he says, in fact, when we were with you, guys, remember this church? He says, this is what we commanded you. Here's that word again. He says, if anyone isn't willing to work, he's like, he shouldn't eat. That'll step on some people's toes in our culture. See, that's not popular in our culture. Because right? our culture tells us, hey, you shouldn't have to work if you have a mean boss, right? You shouldn't have to work if, if you're doing what you hate. You shouldn't have to work if it's hard. You shouldn't have to work if you feel disrespected some way, somehow, right? You shouldn't have to work if you feel like that they should be paying you more. And I feel like this has been magnified in our culture since since COVID. Because virtually every, you look around, virtually every place is hiring, All right? Because there's not enough workers out there. And the honest truth is, and I know this is going to rub people the wrong way, but, uh, but I think it's good for us to hear this but the honest truth is that there's a bunch of people sitting at home collecting checks all right it, yeah um i was talking with uh you guys are just gonna make other people matter all right don't <laughs> clap i was talking to a guy this week who um who uh, he he's a guy in our church he owns uh, several companies and uh one of them is a construction company and i was just talking to him you know how, how things going and he's like man i can't find workers all right because because people are getting their government checks and he's like, it's not good. He says he shows up on the, on the work site and his best workers, right, which is very few of them, he's saying they come up to him because he, he doesn't have many. They come up to him and they beg him to fire them so that they can collect the unemployment checks. All right, like this is real. Like this is happening. Last week I talked to him. Now, I'm not saying that cashing unemployment checks is wrong. It's not what I'm saying. Didn't say that. Don't put words in my mouth. Don't tell people that I said that. I totally feel for the single mother who gets laid off and needs it between jobs. I feel for her. I want her to cash those checks. I want to help her. But as Christians, we are created and designed and commanded to work and not live off somebody else's dime. Verse 11 says, For we here, Paul's talking, He's that we've gotten reports that there are some of you, or among you, who are idle. He says, they're not busy. But busy buddies, you know, anybody like that? Actually, this is super cool in the Greek. You guys might not think this is cool. But for me, I'm like looking at this and I'm like, it's like a play on words that Paul's doing here. So everybody's like, oh, well, it's interesting because it's also a play on words in English. All right. So we can kind of understand it. Sometimes we don't. And so he's like, hey, these people are busy. Or they're not busy, but they're, but they're busy bodies. All right. They make their lives busy doing like nothing. All right. You guys know people like that? Maybe there's people at work where you're like, that dude does nothing. Drives you crazy. All right. They do stuff that's, like, useless. And so Paul, what he's pointing out here, he's pointing out, like, two problems. He's saying, hey, number one, he's like, these people are idle, all right? And they are, they're not working, and that's an issue because that's what we are created to do. But number two, these people, they end up meddling in the affairs of others. He's saying they got their hands in, like, every little thing. Actually, what it looks like is these people are more concerned with other people's lives than their own life. I remember uh, there was a guy in our church a few years ago. He doesn't go to our church anymore. Um, who We, we kind of helped him out a little bit. He got in some hard times, got laid off or quit his job. I don't, don't really remember. He wasn't working. We helped him out a little bit. But then after a few times he comes in, we're like, hey, dude, you need a job. All right? You need to go get a job. And you know what his response was? His response was, well, I, I'm busy. I don't know when I could work. And I'm like, you know, I wasn't necessarily talking to him, but it's like, you know, we're like, hey, busy doing what and he was like well you know at 11 o'clock you got to go here and then he was riding his bike everywhere it's just kind of funny and then he's like you know and then i got to ride my bike here and then here and then here and he just filled up his whole day with all this stuff it was like filling up his day with stuff that didn't matter he was busy doing nothing and it was so sad because that guy i mean he's he's missing part of his purpose right it's not the life that god designed us to have See, instead of being busy doing nothing, Paul's saying in 12, he says, hey, now we command, again, that word again, third time, and exhort such people by the Lord Jesus Christ to work quietly and to provide for themselves. He has this grand idea that's like, hey, everybody pays for their own stuff. If I was running for office, this would be my thing. it would be like, everybody pays for their own stuff, okay? Uh, Let's just just do that, and we'll all be good. That's what Paul's basically saying here within the church. He's saying it's this idea that Christians should not be living off of the church family, right? Because that's what was happening in Thessalonica. People are like, oh, man, Um, they're living it up. They quit their jobs. They live it up, and then they run out of money. Then they go to the church for help. And Paul's like, stop helping those people. Right? They're not to live off the church or the church family or anybody. They shouldn't be living off their family. They shouldn't be living off the government. It's really this idea in the Greek of, of like a sponge that slowly sucks everything around it dry. Paul's like, don't be that guy. And what's worse is this guy, is you know, people have the ability to work, but they refuse to work. Again, just to clarify... Someone who falls on hard times, we as a church family, we should come around and we should help them. Right? That's what we should do. And what I've learned and what I've experienced, because I've been you know, doing this for a while now, is that it's so much easier to come around somebody who's a hard worker. So much easier. Like it makes me want to help them for a short period of time. And this is how Paul finishes in verse 13. He says, but as for you, brothers and sisters, he says, guys, do not grow weary in doing good. And if anyone does not obey our instruction in this letter, he says, take note of that person and don't associate with him so that he may be ashamed. He says, yet don't consider him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. He's like, hey, don't hang out with those people. Don't spend time with those people. It's just going to mess you up. It's not good for them. It's not good for you. But guess what? You're not doing this because you hate them. You're not doing this because they're some sort of your enemy. He's like, they're not your enemy. They are your brother. That's the reason why you're doing this. You need to show tough love. And so to sum up what Paul's teaching us today really is it's not good to not work. Okay? It's not good to not work. See the idea of working is the foundation of our understanding of work. Like we were created to work. That's why I wanted to start with this, with this idea. In a couple of weeks we'll talk about why we work and attitude at work and rest and how that associates with work. But We were created to work, and we were created to work hard. And this isn't God just saying, hey, I think work is a good idea. This is God saying, no, 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 do it. All right, work. Life shouldn't be about trying to do whatever we can to get out of work. There's a sense of fulfillment and a sense of purpose that we have in our work. And our job and our work is too big of a piece of our life to waste. And to dread. It's too big. It's a third. A third of our life is too much, it is yeah, too big to, to waste and to dread. And so my question for you this morning is what do you need to change at work or what do you need to change with work? Like how can you at work or in your workplace or whatever you do, maybe you're retired, maybe you're a student, you know, what, do you, what can you do to step it up a notch? Because even though you may not feel it some days, Work is good for you. It's good for us. So don't waste your work. Let's pray. God, we we thank you for these words, and we thank you for, for teaching us about work. I mean, it's something that we spend so much time in our life doing. And it's so important. God, we ask that those of us in here that are, that are Christians, that are believers, and we're part of this church family, Lord, that, uh, that you would help us have a reputation of being hard workers at work and basically everything that we do in our life. Help us to be known for our work. And God, we thank you for everything that you've given us. We thank you for this church family. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.